Welcome. I'm Harmony Slater, your host of the Finding Harmony podcast. Over the past 20 years, I've taught thousands of yoga teachers and students to explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and modern everyday life, using mind-body practices to heal, awaken, and manifest their dreams from the inside out. This podcast is a sanctuary for those feeling overwhelmed by life's challenges. Are you ready to jump in and discover how these challenges aren't actually in the way, but are the way to finding harmony? Let's invite the magic back in. Hi, I'm Harmony Slater, and you're listening to the Finding Harmony podcast. Today, we are heading to connect with Ross Stombog, who's practicing with Saraswati Joyce. And that's exactly what we are going to talk about today. His journey, what brought him to the practice, he's been traveling all over the world teaching, but also his choice to practice with Saraswati Joyce over following maybe a more conventional path of practicing with Sharat Joyce. And it's a really inspiring and interesting conversation, especially when we look at the importance of women in leadership roles and maybe some biases within our community, but how... Also, it's very important to find a teacher that you really resonate with, someone that you feel you can learn from, that you respect, that you want to become like. And so we're exploring all of these ideas about the student choosing the teacher and why Ross chose the teacher that he has chosen. So if you're an Ashtanga nerd and you love getting into the details of Mysore, you will absolutely love this episode. One other really amazing thing I want to tell you about is today is the first day of the Dream Business Boot Camp with Marie Forleo. If you have a dream in your heart, a business that you want to create, or if you're just feeling called, like, I just want to taste this. I want to see what it's like. What is this B-School thing like? What is this Dream Business Boot Camp like? What are the steps that are being talked about how to create a strong foundation that you can grow and expand from and build upon, then be sure you jump into this three-day boot camp. You can still catch the first day. Tomorrow will be the second day, and then there'll be the third day, and it's all for free. And it's going to help you really figure out where you are now, where you want to go. What's your big vision? What's your big dream? If you could have anything, absolutely anything in the world and create anything, what would that be? And then Connecting also to that deeper why. Why is it so important to you? Because if you don't have your why, you won't make it happen. How will it change your life? How will it change the lives of other people and people around you? So having a mission and connecting to the mission, but also connecting to your dedication, to your commitment, to your vision, um, as well as some steps to simplify the process and the support that you need to help you get there. It's it's an amazing boot camp. It's really, really good. And you're going to just get crystal clear on the results that you want to see this year. And it's all for free. So jump in. You can find the link in the show notes or on my Instagram profile. I'm so excited about this free dream business boot camp, as well as the B-School offer that is coming up and my mastermind group helping you build the business that you love. So stay tuned. We are going all out this year to make your dreams a reality. And I hope you choose to do that with me. 
I'm here with co-host Russell King. Thank you for waking me up for this. <laughs> You're this welcome. It's very nice to be awake this early. I didn't want you to miss it because <laughs> we are here with our guest today, Ross Stamble. Hi, Ross. How are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you? You're hey. coming in from the Midwest. <laughs> yes, I am. Well, you're in Charlottesville, but there's like there's no hint of Southern about you. No, no, no. I'm I'm Ohio, born and bred. I drove south here to uh, participate in a beautiful shala here, Shanti Yoga, Charlottesville, uh, where I'm gonna I'm guest teaching nice. for a, just over a month uh-huh. uh, with some of my my best friends here, uh, and they run this beautiful tiny shala and they do a fantastic job here amazing and that's are those all friends of of john yes is, is uh-huh. that they're friends yeah, of john. Yeah. friends of yeah. john, yeah. Uh, john okay. friends of john <laughs> practice here Joe. all right yeah. okay okay before good. he moved to where is he now he's in new york new york right really john so. boltman moved oh, john to new boltman. york no no i'm thinking of the other john john boltman yeah you're here. thinking of the other john yeah. John Campbell. Uh, John Campbell Campbell and John Boltman. I have to apologize for doing that. John, if you're listening, (laughs) your last name completely escaped my mind as it came out of my mouth. Which one, Campbell or Boltman? Both of them. I couldn't pick up either one of your last names. (laughs) Both of them tied to Virginia, Charlottesville. Charlottesville. (laughs) Oh, John. You know John. Oh, that's wonderful. That's so So nice. John is, John Boltman's there. Do you rub elbows with him ever? Uh, unfortunately, I, I haven't. He's at the university, uh, and uh, I haven't caught him yet. I met him a couple years ago when Saraswati Joyce was here in town. Oh wow! Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, so we just over we overlapped just a little bit. He used to uh, skateboard in my hometown in Slidell, Louisiana. He would come over from <laughs> Mississippi, and he would go into the empty pools because I lived in a kind of ghetto and there'd be all these empty pools you just like you just like skateboarding them also my family is from detroit and i can speak in a completely different way oh okay so detroit <laughs> detroit's just a couple hours away from from dayton so dayton ohio where i'm from is little d so detroit's big d and dayton ohio's little d the little detroit because of all because of all the auto uh, parts that we run up. That's yeah. amazing. That's also how my father referred to me as Little D, and he was the Big D. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have like long, long, deeply ingrained feelings of resentment towards Michigan? Is that a thing? Were you, did you watch the big Actually, game this year? Yeah, yeah. Like Ohio State versus Michigan. Uh, so <laughs> we are mortal enemies, regardless right, of, yeah. of my my thoughts about <laughs> you. Uh, yeah, we will. We will never be able to be, ha- be friends. No, you and I aren't going to be friends. It's too bad. <laughs> it's too yeah, bad. No. I mean, no. What are we missing out on? Is my question. We're going to find out in today's <laughs> well, episode. Actually, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Were your parents in the auto industry in Dayton? My my dad's a mechanic <laughs> no, out of oh. Mich- out of Detroit. Actually, oh, okay. Everybody, so is my uncle. Yeah. Okay. No, my family. We are all public school teachers. Every one of us. You grew so up in we, it. You're, it's in yeah. your blood. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So when we get together at a family reunion, it is disaster. And when I say all of us, I mean all of us. There's, there's <laughs> really like, like even beyond your parents. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My sister, all my my cousins, 
how can you communicate when you're all just sitting there doing your marking <laughs> on your t- on the, your students' tests? Like you can't <laughs> yeah. have you can't really interact. No, we just bitch and complain. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like a staff meeting. <laughs> it's like a yeah. staff. Everyone's smoking. Well, well that's what amazing. did what did your parents teach? Were they, well, they were public school teachers? What what grades? Oh yeah, my mother taught uh, English. So uh, you know Hamlet, Macbeth, The Outsiders. She would do the English program. And uh, my father would be the uh, history, the history teacher. So he taught history, social studies, stuff like that. What, was she in middle school and your dad was high school? Or uh, Let's see. My mother, I thought she taught, I think she taught uh, high school. Yeah, high school. And then what did you teach? What was your specialty? They, they just programmed you into <laughs> teaching. They did. I taught visual arts for 23 years. No so shit. We taught, yeah. So I taught painting, sculpting, wow. paper mache, anywhere from kindergarten to twelfth uh, grade. Wow! Wow! That's, that's so awesome. Fun. That's like that's the that person is often the most significant person in a, in a young person's life. That visual arts teacher. Wow! And how did you transition from from being like what? You should have been an English teacher to being an artist. <laughs> like you were an artist first. You went to school. Did you go to Ohio State? Like how did you be, how did you get into visual yeah. arts? Like was it just something you were always doing? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, it was my favorite subject in high school, and then I got into college, and I took my first two years as a fine arts major, and I focused on classical painting. Uh, but then when I got into a room full of, like, I really liked painting, but then I got into a room full of people that were not only very skilled, but they also very much liked painting. So <laughs> I quickly found out that I was just mediocre on my best days compared to right. these guys. Mm, wow. So I had to, I had to make a s- switch. I go, well, what the hell, what the hell can I do with two years worth of fine arts right. classes? So I, I switched over to education, which, you know, you know, I was the apple didn't fall far from the tree here. So, um, yeah. Uh, so it just, it was kind of a natural. That seems it. like a painful choice. They're all, there's no, there's no unpainful choice, <laughs> you know? <Everything's> painful. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's right. I'm in agreement. <laughs> That's a profound statement. There's no unpainful choice. That's incredible. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because these sort of feelings, it's the feelings that kind of inform us. Like, because I, I would go into an art room and I would kind of always feel like I was the best one there. That was that was my own, just my own feeling, my own uh, s- self-regard, which might have been completely wrong. If I had felt differently, then maybe I had given up sooner. There's still time. <laughs> There's still time to give up. That's what Harmony tells me. Almost every day. He's like, Russell, there's still time to give up. But you seem to use it for like mental health purposes. I so. do. <laughs> did, did, that's that. really, it's really critical though. Like if a day goes by, I start to really feel like I'm not a very valuable person. Is that part of your experience now like do you feel like man i have to use my hands i have to kind of scrawl at paper with you know with paint and color do you feel like that's that's a that's in you like it has to you have to do that no no i i I quickly learned as a school teacher i quickly learned that your personal skill doesn't mean anything 
uh, unless you mm. give it, have an opportunity to give it to someone else or, or give someone the tips. So mm. I, I, I always say that the, my first day of being a school teacher was my last day of, of showing personal expression through visual art. Interesting. Because it just sucks that energy out. Wow. You, know, you just have to, you have to give that give that energy to them. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was no, nothing left of the tank at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot oh. of sense to me. Do you feel the same way about yoga? How does that translate? Because now you teach yoga. Do you have nothing left in the tank afterward? <laughs> yeah. No. You know, I, I, I was told once a long time ago that if you don't leave teaching exhausted, you didn't do it well enough. Um, I now disagree with that statement. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to agree with that one. <laughs> yeah. But, but no. no, but it is exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. Yoga is one of those strange things where I want to keep on teaching. Uh, they, yeah. they all have to kick me out of the room. Uh, yeah. and, 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 oh, I, I know like that when, feeling. You know, when, when I, I do get exhausted through the physical asana practice now, but as far as teaching or being able to hold space or being able to give tips or advice, yeah, I really cherish those times, especially when, when they have questions. You know, you, you sit and yeah. stand there and go, okay, I hope, what can I, what can I present to you? <laughs> what can and I offer? They, yeah. And when they have a question, you know, you, you jump at a chance. One thing that I always find, like still to this day, and and it's interesting that when you were teaching art in school, it didn't like it, you kind of felt like you didn't have any energy or like inspiration left after teaching to, you know, paint or to do your, your craft. But I always find like part of teaching, I always find quite inspiring. Like actually, I think it's easier to keep up with a uh, practice and to stay motivated in your practice when you are teaching regularly then mm. like i mean now i don't teach in person regularly and i have to like find that motivation in myself but there's something that's like a little bit inspiring watching your students yeah. gain all these benefits and so it always it was very motivating for me to to get on the mat because it felt like oh i want i want to experience all of that juicy goodness too <laughs> but i also like i want to like make sure i do something before i get in the room because yeah. just to get myself well, I used right. to even do mine after. But yeah, before, after, like... But you want to feel like it's you, interesting. you're part of it. What's you know? your experience yeah. with that? <laughs> uh, it's been... I Well, I always try to practice before. Yeah. Uh, one, because the rest of the day gets kind of nibbled away. You go. And I'm always... I'm, I'm always inspired by the people that are in front of me. Anywhere I practice, you know, Ashtanga yogis, Ashtangis... Uh, <laughs> yeah. are so driven, you know, every one yeah. of them are so driven. And in my, one of my first experiences in India, I was sitting with Dr. Jayashree and President Narasimha there. And we're all, you know, that little room in Lashapur. And I'm sitting there and there's like five, six, seven of us. And I look around the room and I, there's two doctors. There's a polyglot yeah. who speaks over five languages. There oh is God. a... Uh, I, a, uh, a international mattress sales person, you know, someone who, <laughs> who sells wow. millions of dollars of mattresses, you know? Uh, yeah. And I, incredible. And, you know, Is that the, I, my pillow guy, that guy? You know, no, <laughs> he should have been there. And I sit around there and I go, wow, these people are amazing. How did I, how did yeah. I end up getting in this group? 
But you know, I, I'd always rather I'd rather be the, the dumbest person in a in the in the room uh, than the smartest, you know. And I find that in Ishala, I get the opportunity to to teach in. I I just am just enamored by these people. So mm-hmm. in Charlottesville, where I'm at, it's right by the university. So there are, let's see, this morning there was four PhDs, one doctor, wow. um, a, a poet, like, uh, you know, these people that, that just far outweigh, you know, talking about physical yeah. gymnastics, uh, they have this mental gymnastics uh, that, yeah. that are just um, amazing. And I love seeing how they how they use that to their advantage. They're very meticulous with their practice, very understanding of their practice. Mm-hmm. Having They have this great ability to not get hung up on the fundamentals, you know, uh, the fundamentalist attitude of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and see, and, and they see way past that. Uh, and it's just, it's just great. You know, it's energetic. Yeah. That must be something that you get with the Saraswati group, I think. Well, I don't think these people are necessarily the Saraswati group, though, are they? They're uh, like the Virginia group. <laughs> they're the Virginia group, but uh, but they're under the guidance of those who Saraswati with Saraswati. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and this is kind of a great way to kind of segue into the topic of yeah. Saraswati Joyce. Because uh, that's who you started with, right? When you I, the first time you went to Mysore, that's who I started with. Being a school teacher, I had yeah. the summers off, June, July, and August off. Uh, right. So the opportunities to, to practice in Mysore under the guidance of a Joyce family member was limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was I was kind of like bummed out. I'm like, oh, when will I ever get a chance to practice? Uh, until I found out that Saraswati taught in the summer. So yeah. I didn't didn't hesitate at all to get over there and practice. Yeah. Can I just back you up just a little bit? So you're teaching school in Ohio, in Dayton? Dayton, Ohio, yeah. Dayton, Ohio, and you have an opportunity to do Ashtanga Yoga and somehow. Right. Is that right? Right. And what was your what was your draw to do that? Like you had a, a feeling that you'd like to do that. What where did that come from? Just okay. being an art teacher, maybe? Yeah. Well, I, I, I grew up doing sports um, and I was looking for something that, so I graduated in 90, 1999, you know, when, mm-hmm. right, bef- right when the internet worked, right? And uh, right when- <laughs> Exploded. You, if you remember flip <laughs> yeah. phone, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was walking down the street in Cincinnati, Ohio. This was like June 23rd, 24th, something like that. And I saw Richard Freeman's video, this on VHS. And he does this, he does this beautiful handstand, legs are in lotus, and he comes up and then, you know, he jumps back. And I said, oh, I, you know, I'm a collegiate swimmer. This, this isn't hard at all. Uh, and then I, I, I backed the VHS tape. I took it home and I played it primary series. Um, this was Richard Freeman doing primary series for almost an hour and 45 minutes, you know, very slow, yeah. very meticulous, yeah. and yeah. it kicked my ass. But I played that <laughs> that VHS tape until it broke, uh, and, and it only took me eleven <laughs> years to be able to do a handstand with him. I still can't do it like him. But <laughs> to I can, break the tape, to break the VHS. No, I saw tape. a picture of you today that looked very close. Yeah. Honestly, very close. It was uh, it was on a podcast 
with Taylor Hunt. Okay. And it yeah. was like, oh, that is a beautiful picture of you in a handstand in Lotus. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> Long time ago. <laughs> I don't think the shoulders can do that anymore. <laughs> but uh, so you, you play that video uh-huh. and you get obsessed. Yeah, like any, are you like doing it before would. you go to school in the morning, or like when are you? Uh, you're like you're just would, doing this every day. Yeah, I started doing just playing along with the video, and I would do it at when I came home because I'd be exhausted from work. I'd be, you know, my energy yeah. level would be way up here dealing with with the dramas. Of middle school, and I needed something to unwind with and and uh, get refocused and and kind of uh, take back my energy, you know, because I had to give it, mm-hmm. I had to give it all day. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I, I I did that for years until I even found out we had a uh, a cult. Oh, I mean not a cult. I, I mean a <laughs> gathering of of people who did this practice too. This was years. Uh, I found out it was in Columbus, Ohio, uh, where they said, ah. they said, we have this person coming. His name is, is Tim Miller. And I said, who, oh. who, who's Tim Miller? Uh, little did I know of Tim G and, and right. his, his just yeah. beautiful teaching. And uh, again, only thing I knew was the order in which, in which primary series uh, was taught through a written payment. So he, he comes in and he sits down. He immediately does... Hanumanasana or the splits are like colds, you know. Something. And, and the entire room kind of like shushes. Jesus, who, what is this man? Right. And then he's going on. He starts to talk about yamas and niyamas and, and all of this. And, and then yeah. I, I'm like, wow, this is, what is this? You know, he started going to philosophy. You know how much he talks about astrology yeah. and stuff. Uh, so he kind of opened my eyes mm-hmm. to, yeah. Uh, what you know? What Ashanga and the and the group, the collective is all about. Yeah, and that must have been your first introduction to pranayama as well with him, because I know he always likes to do he, yeah a pranayama yeah. session as well. Yeah, yeah, it was great. He he says exhale, hold, and I think that's all all he said for like <laughs> a half hour. A half hour is about right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you woke up, you lost consciousness, uh-huh. wake up, and yeah. it's like they're all still doing it. Yeah. He prefaces it with like, we're just going to do the easy work version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. And then, I don't know, 10 years go by and, uh, you know, I... I You're I still, still doing pranayama. You're still holding the exhale. <laughs> oh, no. Still holding the breath. Yeah. And, uh, did you like, did you start going to Columbus and like checking in with this group, or this collective, this culture collective, of yeah, Ashtanga the yogis there? Or? And, yeah, I did. It's an hour and a half away. So I had, uh, yeah. you know, when I, when I had the opportunity to go, uh, I would go, yeah. but I would always stick kind of self-practice was, was something that I was, that I, I felt it was yeah. important to do. Uh, and I, I did that because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. I didn't, right. I didn't know how yeah. easy it was when you have a teacher in front of you and, and, and people next to you being motivated. And then you can go out and get coffee and then, you know, obsess about forward folds. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. I, I, I just want to ask you a personal question. My experience of, of working with school teachers, I was with the uh, Joyce Foundation for about 10 years, training school teachers and kids, um, you know, how to self-regulate. 
and we were using some the techniques of yoga to do so. And, and I spent a lot of time with superintendents and teachers and heads of department and really kind of immersed myself in school culture for a, a good long time. Spent, you know, two years embedded in, in the Milwaukee public school system, just there, living there, for example, in the same way with the Ravenswood City School District in California. My experience was that a lot of teachers, and I really admired what you said about the, your need to, to fill up your own well after teaching. Because my, my experience was that so many school teachers, and it's rife in the culture, spend everything they have, and then they just go insane on the weekend with substance abuse and, and um, uh, what's the opposite of womanizing? When you manonizing and and like there's a real there's a real like um a, a need. not sure we have a word for that there's a need we should have a word for that there's a real need to like just to get away from it's just like that it's really rife in the culture to to really kind of uh abuse yourself on the on the weekend in some way and i just was very much admiring that you kind of saw what was happening to you. And of course, you come out of a teaching culture and you say, well, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to refill my well with a kind of spiritual, physical practice. I, I wonder, um, was, well, one was... Was it uh, a conscious choice? Was, was substance that... abuse a, a, a part of a cycle that you were dealing with? Or was you just like, you saw it, so I need to fix this right away? Uh, no, no. I actually, I, I never really drank or smoked I experimented in, in junior high and high school like anybody, but it, it then it took me very long to figure out that I I really didn't want anything to do with that. Uh, I just, I wanted time to myself and I wanted um, time to process uh, everything mm -hmm. at work. You know, uh, educators uh, are, as we all know, underpaid, undervalued, and mm -hmm. they are, they are like, the foot soldiers uh, of education where other mm -hmm. people implement and plan and pontificate what education is. Teachers are the ones that are, are actually doing it. So the administration will get the accolades if teachers are successful uh, and teachers will get the blame when it's not the successful. Um, right. Uh, but uh, it's, a, it's a rewarding job if if you have the energy for it yeah okay so you were so you were fairly clean when you came to ashtanga yoga which is cool and unusual and <laughs> and it sounds yeah. sounds like you were also like pretty well adjusted also unusual and <laughs> but you still had this kind of need to to do it and well, I think he, as he talked about the stress, like there's yeah. a lot of stress and, and it seemed like it attracted you as a, as a way to balance your nervous system basically well, after yeah, teaching. I'll, I'll preface this of why I didn't. I'll, I'll tell you my day. Um, so I'd ride my bike to work, but I wouldn't turn left to ride eight miles to work. I would, I would turn right to ride 25 miles to work. Oh I'd, mm -hmm. I'd come home at work. I'd come home, practice. And then at practice, after that, I would then divide yeah. my time into practicing judo or rock climbing or rowing. So um, I don't know if I And you, you swim too. You were like a, a uh, champion swimmer or something uh, as well, uh, right? I, I wouldn't say champion, but I, I was a swimmer. 
Uh, so uh, I, I certainly was was over using sport to fill up some time. So so that stress that stress stayed with me. I just had to get it, get it out uh, in a different way. Right, and it, caught, and it caught up with me too. So. Yeah, that's interesting, though. I'd love to. This is like another diversion. We're going to get back to Saraswati. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, We're building up to it. Um, <laughs> but I'm curious, Global. like, because a lot of people say, and and I agree to a certain extent, you know, that like, I mean, yoga, the physical asana is regulating your nervous system. And it's, it's a very physical practice, especially the Ashtanga yoga practice. And that, you know, there's other ways that help to regulate your nervous system, like running or like biking or swimming or doing these these activities. And I think that it's true in that there's, um, you know, I think you're getting rid of that sort of stress response mm -hmm. when you do those other activities. Yeah. But what was it? I mean, there must have been something very different about the quality of the practice that kept drawing you back to it that you were getting something different from that than from these other physical activities that's a good question yes i was and the one element <laughs> that in the dialogue that i would have the one element was the philosophy behind it so mm -hmm. the, so when i would yeah. study judo you know I, I traveled in london traveled to japan to practice and they and they had they had some underlying protocols that are ex exactly in line with with asana practice or shanta practice. You know, it's that slow, lifelong uh, approach to it. It's the the guru shinsha, the the teacher student relationship uh, that that is supposed to be maintained. There's a respect towards your fellow students. And it, there is this understanding that there is a deeper meaning behind the techniques. You know, mm -hmm. that it doesn't, it's not a technique to use superficially. It's a technique that will be working on you internally, occupying your time in the right way. You know, occupying, mm -hmm. recognizing in, your, in yourself that knowing something and knowing it really, really well is valuable. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I took that into yoga. When I started yoga, I, I was coachable. You know, you, you gave, give me a hammer and you tell me if you're my teacher, hit yourself in the head with the hammer. I, okay, <laughs> how, how many times? You know, because I, I, I could do it. Three times. And I remember my very first day, right, in the shala, um, you know, I, we did um, lead primary, you know, uh, Saraswati came in, uh, Akam, inhale. And I thought to myself, I, I don't want to, why am I even here? I know this. Like, I, I know I can do primary mm -hmm. studies. Uh, and then I thought to myself, you know, it's not a good attitude. You know, I, I'm, I'm here mm -hmm. for other reasons. Uh, and I, um, and I say, I, I want to be here. You know, I, I, w I want to be here. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be, uh, the, the student that just tries. I want to be, I want to be in this room for a reason. And I want to take this lifestyle with me. So we kind of cemented in me that uh, an athletic lifestyle, uh, as Spartan as it can be financially, emotionally, uh, that it's a lifestyle worth pursuing. It has value. Yeah. That's so amazing. I, I, really, I really admire you. I, I feel like there's so much of the right attitude keeps percolating 
as, as I watch your approach to to life and to practice, because like I I came to my sort of with a very corrosive attitude, uh, or uh, which was just to get people to look at me, <laughs> and it was not helpful, and it it created long term destructive patterns that I'm still kind of now recovering from. Sure. Well, it's interesting because maybe a lot of people come to Mysore with that. Well, he's he's impression. sounding really good to me. Yeah, well, mm. that was in his that was in his oh. he has a master's in education, so he coached himself into a beginner's Very mindset. Very person. <laughs> I'm like, man. He said, "What can I learn from this? I'm here I, to learn." <laughs> I wish I had his parents is what I'm thinking. Well, oh, yeah, and and <laughs> we talk about let's Let's put the focus a little bit on on Saraswati and her students and her shala and, and yeah. who, uh, you know, is are drawn is Saraswati. Yeah, yeah. And um, I I practiced my first season, my second season there. Uh, the the woman to my left uh, had breast cancer. Uh, she quit oh, her job. Yeah. Her and her husband moved, uh, sold everything, quit her job. She was going to die. You know, the whole, and then she came in, um, and the person to my right, uh, I won't share his name, uh, came from New York. His um, wife and daughter were killed in a car accident, and he came. And here I am uh, saying, oh, I, I've come for a spiritual awakening. And to my left and to my right, right. they're here for healing, and they were using this modality right. to heal some of the most heinous, some of the most difficult mm. uh, life experiences, and they had such yeah. mm -hmm. and such love and 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 such mm. uh, uh, you know they had to put themselves in this situation. Mm. That was that was deep. You know that was I'm like okay, I need to change my attitude mm. about yeah. about this practice, right? Yeah. 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 That's so interesting and, and beautiful, a beautiful example, right? One is sort of like, what can I get from this? Yeah. And it's very self-centered approach. And one is a little bit more like, I really need this to heal. But also, it just feels a little bit more universal than just like, I don't know, I think we can get a little myopic in our our spiritual practice and our spiritual endeavors that in some ways, instead of opening us up to love and inclusivity and healing and, um, you know, not discriminating against people, <laughs> you know, we can get really close-minded about people in life. And, you know, if you're not doing this, then you're not evolved. And we start creating all these dichotomies because we've put ourselves on this path, this spiritual ladder where we're trying to reach the top. Right. And so, of course, we have to um, put a bunch of people below us. Oh, <laughs> and so, right. I mean, that's what happens when you're on this ladder to the top and you're trying to like reach some goal of enlightenment or whatever it is you're trying to reach. Um, I'm more enlightened than this person. Right. Oh, that person's more enlightened than me. So I better work harder. Or I better do more. Or I better relax you know. harder. Yeah. Yes. Oh, drink only water, and <laughs> I don't know. Like no, at some no point, sugar. you stop. You know. No sugar. <laughs> yeah. No <time>. sugar. <laughs> right. Whoops. So then, but then, if you're doing it for healing purposes, it's very different because it's more about 
it's not about getting anywhere. It's really about integrating and allowing and loving and being present and all of those things, forgiving, releasing, letting go. And so it becomes a little bit different. It's not so hierarchical. All of a sudden, it becomes a little bit more like universal and sweet. Yeah. And if I had that attitude, I really could have competed better. (laughs) Well, you know, we have this lower level self-love Right. And as we yeah. kind of go up the, the, the chakras, we have selfless love, uh, which yeah. is uh, is giving without receiving. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's hard to stay up in the, you know, the selfless love. It's yeah, you always want to be, yeah. uh, you know, recognized. So it's hard mm-hmm. to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it is. It's interesting. I've. I mean, as a school teacher, I think you'd appreciate this, you know, like really looking and defining your values, you know, whether like as a human being, as a person, but also, I mean, as even a yoga teacher, you know, what are your values and really like taking time to to look and examine and explore those. And I've been kind of doing this exploration over a few years you know, because at first you're like, well, I value everything, <laughs> right? And uh, yeah, and of course we do, right? But there's some things that are core for us. And like, it takes some time to really recognize what is core sometimes. What are those core values? And I think it's really important because then you can always kind of check yourself too, right? And so, you know, selfless service, it doesn't have to be a core value <laughs> for anyone. But if it is, and it's sort of one of my recognized values, right? Like, how can I be of service here without needing recognition or without needing, you know, status or compensation? <laughs> Even though, of course, we all need compensation in some way, right? It's not about, like, you know, just not valuing your services right. either. But also, like, you know, offering from that generous open heart rather than going into a situation thinking like, how can I benefit from this? Right. And, and I think then you can always kind of check yourself if you've defined that as a value. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Same like with courage or authenticity or love, right. Or unconditional love or justice or whatever it is that, you know, you value as a teacher or a human. I think it's so important to really connect to those and so that you can live them because it does get hard sometimes, as you're saying, you know, as, a yoga teacher, you know, devoted to the practice and devoted to teaching, it's not the easiest path. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> to that point, how do you make a um, a decision to leave teaching in, in the public school and say, I'm going to grow out my hair and put on a Shtanga yoga sweater and then be a professional Shtanga <laughs> yoga teacher? At some point, don't you think about the pension that you're going to miss out on? Like, there's a those are, that's a big decision. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, so I, I like I like I mentioned, I I put twenty three years in. Uh, I only had about six oh. years to go, uh, and it, so I had. <laughs> that's my reaction. I know. Like, oh, no. my, mine too. Mine too. Uh, but I, I, it was uh, just the environment in which I, I continued to put myself in. <laughs> Won't go into details, but. When when you get to the part in your job where you're wiping your own blood off the wall, you kind of step back and go, I'm, oh my not, in, I'm not in the environment I thought I would be in. Uh, so it, yeah. it, it, it got to the point Oof. where 
I said, you know, maybe, maybe teaching yoga may, may be a little easier. Uh, yeah, safer? And, uh, certainly a little, little safer. Uh, and it was a gradual, a, a gradual change. So I was teaching school and then I would teach on the weekends, uh, which was great. I loved it. It, it got me a, a chance to leave Ohio for a little while. And then when I would do some international travel, I would leave right after work on Friday. I'd get right at home on like, say, oh Sunday, gosh. get the red eye, Sunday, two o'clock in the morning, or Monday, two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I'd, I'd, you know, run home, run back to work. And then eventually I would, you know, over the holidays where I would have a little bit longer break, I'd take a little longer trip. Yeah. Uh, and just, just a few incidences where, where I thought maybe, maybe teaching doesn't need to be my, my full-time profession. Um, so technically I'm not retired. Technically I have a year of absence. So that, what that means is my job is on hold. And if I want to, to return and pursue it by August, 2024, then I, I have that opportunity. But uh, as of right now, I'm, I'm really hoping that I don't need to rely on that. They yeah. may have to. Yeah. Yeah, maybe in a new school district. <laughs> if you could look in the future and see that the like the state of Ohio renegotiated labor contracts and you wouldn't even get a pension in the first place, probably then you would be able to make some those, you know, those choices. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. So mm. also you're in India because you also practice with Sharat Joyce, right? So you kept going back to Mysore and you practice no. with Sharat Joyce? No, I haven't practiced no? with Sharat. No. Okay. Um, I, I okay. just had my summers uh, available. So I would continue. I'd go back and continue to practice with uh, Saraswati. And then with Saraswati's group, uh, I ended up practicing with uh, David Roach, uh, a, a, okay. a mentor yeah, nice. and, a, and a great, uh, yeah. I feel like just a great yeah. person to be with. And, uh, yeah. and then that kind of, I, I kind of went with, uh, you, you kind of have a choice, you know, we're starting to see these generations of teachers, uh, and, yeah. uh, you kind of, which, which way you want to go, like old school, new, mm -hmm. new school, and where I feel <laughs> And the new, new school, <laughs> the new, new school, the neo school, right? So, uh, you have the, you have Saraswati, who I feel has, uh, has this vast knowledge of, of what it used to be um, before yeah. the logistics of running a room of 500 people became uh, so, you know, the, the view has been, I think the perspective has, has changed. Mm -hmm. So with her, I find first, it took me a while to figure out her understanding of time. Mm. When she, when she would say something like, Oh, try tomorrow. She didn't really mean try tomorrow. She meant trying like two years. You know, and when and, <laughs> and when you would try to pin her down with a question, uh, <laughs> tomorrow, next week, you know, what when can I do this? You know, it, it, her mind never worked that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so she doesn't have like the linear Western mind. And I also noticed I started watching <laughs> her mannerisms, and when she would get these rapid fire questions. Uh, the typical rapid fire questions you get from, from a new Ashanga student. How long do I have to practice in order to do second series? How long do I have to practice to get authorized? How, you know, you know, these, these little questions. Yeah. Her English got really bad right during that time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but miraculously, <laughs> so funny. much better at the end when you know when everyone was, was yeah. saying goodbye. Uh, and I, so I, you know, when I, when I'm in with other students, I I watch her. I get the opportunity to watch her, and and mm-hmm. she's very somewhat reserved. She's a little older now, uh, and she's very quiet. Yeah. Uh, but some of the older students that would practice with her under Guruji would say that she presented herself very much like Guruji. Yeah, I completely um, in, agree. In her, yeah, uh, just mannerisms to her and her mannerisms. And yeah. any time that we would, any time that she would have a conference, any reference of any technique, she would always refer to Guruji. Always. This is how Guruji did it. So this is how I'm going to do it. And I noticed like anytime she had, she kind of has her own criteria for expressing to, to her students, uh, if, if they're kind of ready to, to teach or if they've kind of taken on a, a stature beyond that of a total, uh, beginner, uh, which I, which I admire, uh, which is first she, she wants to hear you chant, which is, yeah. Strange. At the end, so we'll, we would chant. We'd, she'd pull out these chant sheets. That's interesting. And uh, she would she would chant and she would like kind of watch us, you know, and listen to us mm-hmm. chant. So she always wanted us to know, wanted to press that, you know, chant. What are you doing yeah. besides just the, just the asana? Yeah. You, you could see her in her eyes. She's just like, uh, yeah, whatever. You know, I, I've seen first, second series. I've seen third, you know, I've seen fourth series. I've seen it all. It, yeah. the, the, that doesn't impress, impress her uh, at, the, yeah. at the least. That, great story. So we're in this room of like uh, 90 people. This is a couple of years ago. And we had someone come in uh, and uh, I, I'm not going to share her name, but it's kind of funny. Uh, she's kind of trying to catch up. And she had the audacity to say, Sir Swati, wait, I'm almost catching up. Uh, and Sir Swati kind of looks, <laughs> looks at her like, are you, you just interrupt me? And she's, <laughs> and she, and she says, I, but I, I, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher. I can do this. And she kind of gestures to the audience. She says, everyone here is a teacher. <laughs> you know? yeah, that's and, yeah. So she kind of put everyone in their, in their place. Beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I you kind of rambled. I'm sorry. Got off course. No, What's it's beautiful. Right? About? I, I wanted, I wanted to um <laughs> to make a commentary on your exposition. One of the things that I felt about Saraswati is that I immediately was aware on my first trip to Mysore when she first started teaching in the Big Shala in 2003, the first month. I was that there was. I felt uh, an underlying misogyny. I don't know if that's the right word, but tension. Um, <laughs> tension? Uh, what is it? Like when against you, women? Yeah, against women. What do you call that when you're um, when you're hateful towards groups? Discriminating. Discrimination. There was an underlying <laughs> discrimination against a female teacher in the room, and I just kind of felt it. People would always say, "Oh, I don't want Saraswati to adjust me," or "Oh, you know, it's Saraswati. It's not Sharad. It's like, oh, you know." Sh- Saraswati gave me a posture and, you know, and I would, I would listen to it. And I just kept hearing it and hearing it. And I'm like, you know, she's really good. I would say to myself, what she did to me and what she adjusted to me and what she said, I would keep feeling it in myself without 
judging it. Yeah. And I'm like, prejudicial. There was something prejudicial about a female teacher. And it's like, she's, I don't see what they're seeing. So I arrived mm. and Sharat was on a month long tour of the United States in 2003 in April. He, I saw him on his first day in New York and Eddie Stern introduced him. And then I, I went to Mysore and Saraswati greeted me at the front door and uh, got me into her apartment said, yeah, I have a place you can rent from me. And I was up on the upstairs of her building across the street. And then every morning I'd go down to practice and I would do my practice and come back and she'd be teaching her woman's group mm -hmm. on the second floor. And she had a group of Indian women that she was teaching. And now for the first time, she was helping Guruji in the shala in the morning before that group. And I was just doing my practice, keeping my head down, you know, being quiet. And she just really liked me. I don't know. She, we just really got along. I, I always talked to her after practice and asked her how things were going. And she just really liked me. And she said, you need to do second, second series now. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I've been here like a week or so, but like, okay. <laughs> and so, so how much, you know, how much do I do? It's like, what do you, you do, um, uh, Pashasana, Kranchasana. And I, and I was like, I was surprised. And I said, Kranchasana? And she looked at me like, are you <laughs> arguing with me? I, I was like surprised to get two postures. That's all. I said, well, what are you doing with Guy? Guy Donahue in New York. It's mm -hmm. like, well, I'm, you know, I'm doing Karanavasana. Like, oh yeah, do that. I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> I was like, all right. So I show up and now for two weeks, I'm just going, I'm showing up every morning and I'm doing primary all the way up to Karanavasana. And all the other students in the room were like, dude, you have no idea what you're what you've done. Yeah. Well, I don't know. But Guruji's yeah. adjusting me in everything. He's yeah. coming by very happy, adjusting me in Kapitasana, adjusting me in Dvipada, you know, seeing if I need help with Karanavasana. I don't, you know. <laughs> and you know and it's like it's just going on and then i really i just really liked her and i liked her work and then Sharat came in saw me and just like knocked it over like a pile of toys like, <laughs> you, know, you know like no this is not how this works I'm like okay and and then she broke her ankle mm -hmm. and i went to visit her in the hospital i'm trying to make a point out of this story but I just always really liked her and I liked my relationship with her, but I was very much aware that there was a kind of conflict within the community and within the family, though Guruji benevolently, or maybe amused, watching the whole dynamic. But he was like, Saraswati's in the room. We're going to have her in the room, no matter what anyone thinks about it. Mm -hmm. And I always just felt it was really deeply unfortunate and tragic that no one like could stand up. It's like, we're going to have Saraswati in the room. I know she's female, but I, we all really rate her. And I remember, I think just to put a bow on this story, I remember when I really, this is the point where I really appreciated her and what she could do. As Mark Yao was learning fifth series in the room that year, and he was getting posture by posture from Guruji. On, and he was, he got up to this one posture where you're supposed to stand underneath your own feet and then do a tick-tock back and forth and just keep putting the feet the behind the hands in front of the hands, behind the hands in front of the hands. And Guruji is like hitting him, like trying to make him do it. And like just kind of grunting at him, like you do this and then you jump back and you do this and you jump back. And it's like, 
And Mark is like totally confused. As probably as our listeners are too, as for my description of it. <laughs> and then Saraswati comes over. She said, no, you jump forward underneath your hands, you jump back, and then you stand on your feet like this, like that. With this breath, inhale, exhale that breath. And I like, I did a double take. Because everyone here in the room is like not rating Saraswati and what she knows and she doesn't know anything. Like who, did she ever even practice? It's like, she knows the vinyasa count like that of, a fifth, of, the, of the fifth series posture. And she knows exactly how to teach it. Who the hell is anybody here saying she doesn't know what she's doing when no one here has even never done third series? What's interesting is I think what you're bringing up is is a, a fascinating kind of, um, like you're saying, a prejudice, yeah. especially in the community, especially back then. I mean, we're talking about 20 years ago mm-hmm. um, or longer. Okay. <laughs> and there was definitely a, I mean, it, it's definitely a patriarchy, 100%. Yeah. And people look to the male as the father figure, as the authority, oh. as the one who knows. And also, there's a discrimination against body type, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Saraswati's not this, like, you know, athlete. Athlete, right? But she was. <laughs> yeah, but you know, so so that again, there's like a discrimination against that. And also, I mean, Saraswati did a lot. She had two children. She took care of her father. She took care of her husband. You know, yeah, took care yeah. of her husband. You know, like did a lot of things that women do that preclude them from having hours and hours of time to practice asana every day. And there's a discrimination against that as well. Well, let's, let's <laughs> give the viewers at this point, they're still with us. Let's, let's, let me, let me kind of paint a picture for, for Saraswati and yeah. the backstory a little bit. Uh, yeah. So Saraswati uh, Rakaswamy, last name. She uh, grew up in this, this strict understanding of asana. So she started teaching or learning this asana as a child. And then in, when you reach the, the age to have children, then you're supposed to give up the asana and do the, yeah. the seventh series, right? You're supposed to do the, yeah. the yeah. work. So yeah. Guruji needed someone to cook for him, you know, as, you know, when he yeah. traveled and, and yeah. Saraswati was, uh, let me back up. So Saraswati, was certified not by her father but by uh krishnamacharya so i mean if you want if you want to to be honored through uh prabra right you know how 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 many teachers have you had that the you know who who has trained with you know this father of modern yoga amazing Uh, and she's Mm -hmm. also the one of the first uh women to go to the sanskrit scholar or sanskrit uh, college, college. Uh, Mysore, big degree. Amazing. Uh, and she wow. started like her own little revolution uh, in the 70s <laughs> when she said she was the first teacher to have both male and female in the same room at the same time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she she's this little fireball. <laughs> yeah, she uh, is. <laughs> and in Mysore. Uh, and, and so when Guruji passed and when uh, kind of who, who was going to be the face of of Ashtanga Yoga, I think she graciously recognized Sharat's ability and attraction, and uh, mm-hmm. and kind of gave that up. You know, she is a, a guru to the same level as 
I should wrap, but he, she doesn't advertise as much. She, uh, yeah. she's very much still keeping to the traditions of it. And, uh, you know, you, there, it doesn't take long for, for you to recognize her. Her value is in that shala. Um, she will mm-hmm. knock on wood. She, she will die in that shala because that's, that's her value. Oh, yeah. You let's know, do. <laughs> uh, if you, if you get a check, go, go look at her website. Mm-hmm. It's the worst website you yeah. will ever, ex- you'll ever see. <laughs> It, it, you're like, is this a hack? You know, it's not going to happy, but it's, it's what she cares about. Like she, she cares mm-hmm. zero, zero about, uh, you know, what it looks like, uh, zero yeah. about Instagram and TikTok, zero about rumors, zero. I mean, nothing. She's oblivious to that. You see her smile just a little and you can see it in her eyes. And that's when she sits yeah. down in that seat and she has a student in front of her and. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she'll, she'll kind of glance at the room and you think she doesn't pay attention. But, uh, like, so when I, I do Bujak and Dasana, I always do left leg first. I don't know why. It's just what I do. I mean, yeah. I'm in the second to last row. There's 80 people in the room. We do lead primary and an hour and a half goes by. I, you know, I say, Hey, sir, so where have you been? I, I just got here, uh, off the plane. And she'd say, oh, left, left leg, wrong, you know? So you, you think that she, she doesn't miss a beat. Like she sees everything, but she comments mm. on so very little. Uh, yeah. like, like another, she came to Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, and again, a full room, 100, 120 people here. And when yeah. she's here for a whole week and, and someone, <laughs> you know, put their hand up and go, hey, Sir Swati, um, is there anything we can work on? This is the last question on the last day. She says, Oh, breast wrong. And, and they kind of said, who? And she says, everyone. <laughs> so she doesn't pull any punches yeah. and she, she notices everything. Uh, and I think she always waits for, uh, she doesn't assert her, uh, her, the teaching, you know, she's waiting for a student to, approach her with a question. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that's because this, this style that she knows it as, and she presents it as, as a family style. You know, she's, you know, we go, Oh, you know, yeah. where did you, where did you learn this? And she'd go living room, well, you know, in the living, living room, room, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she would, you know, we would, this is like, these are the little things. So, you know, we started at like five o'clock in the morning and the sunrise would come up, you know, in the, Middle shala, whatever you want to call it, new old shala. And, and as soon as the light hit the window, she would kind of stand up and turn the lights off. And, yeah. you know, we would go, why? Oh, is it the sacred light that's coming in the morning? It's like, well, no, money. Yeah, <laughs> so, she's saving on electricity. Money, yeah, saving so electricity. She's, saving, she's trying to save a, a, a couple extra rupees. Literally. Uh, and, 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 and you get it because... Because she practiced and taught and grew up without the the benefits of of all the yeah. money that came in later, you know she's still very yeah. much totally. uh, um, a, a daughter of a of a lowly professor, you know. So she was under yeah. that that Saving kind her. of way. Yeah, I appreciated that about Patabi Joyce always too. That even though you know later in life he got a lot of income from teaching yoga. 
Uh, he never really lost that that perspective. Or of course, he would appreciate that. <laughs> this is the that. land of Scottish people, <laughs> Calgary, Alberta, and they will drive thirty minutes to save two cents on gas. Yeah, <laughs> tries me. Crazy. But there's there's something beautiful about maintaining that that groundedness and that down to earthness and that sense of of not wasting or not you know like using what you need mm-hmm. and i think there's something very yogic about it too right i mean besides it can save the planet not driving a half hour to save two cents on gas but you know just no, the like next costco the next costco yeah, just gas. thinking about about our consumption thinking about our our use of things too right and how we're our resources i also i also think uh, it's it's an interesting dynamic that's going on in the family because i think about how um they have uh, a competitive spirit between the family members, between Manju and Sharat and Saraswati and and Guruji, and and I I think just to to lay it out for our listeners, it's like it's sometimes it's it's awkward and uncomfortable to see you know Sharat and his sister fighting or to see you know tension between them, but I, it's there is they're not saints. You know, they're not a family of of Ramana Maharishis. I've often made the mistake of thinking that they, that you know you're studying with the family, where the family thinks of them thinks that, like they have ownership over you as a student, and you can't betray them by going to another one. And I didn't appreciate that that perspective. That if I went to Saraswati, or when Saraswati asked me to sub her class when she went to Russia that I was betraying Sharat's trust. Like that never occurred to me at all. Like it blew my mind. Like I thought we were all in this together. <laughs> I was like, this is a, this is not good. I was like, well, I, I'm at a total loss here. And it's, but it's interesting to think about that, that culture that they have within themselves, you know, w- between themselves. I mean. Well, yeah, yeah. I think that is like an Indian thing. Like something that cultural, yeah. something that we won't, uh, we don't, we're not privy to. And we also have to recognize that they're just people too. They've been given a responsibility that none of them really wanted to be mm-hmm. in charge of this international world renowned yoga system where they look at it, or at least Saraswati approaches it. And she's like, this is just a family yoga thing. This is just what we did as a kid. Right. This is this, they never mm-hmm. expected it to to grow like, like it has. And, right. I, and so, so I know around like 2007, 2008, you know, when, when both of them wanted to, to own or, or kind of steer the boat, sort of say, uh, so Saraswati was very much into the idea of kind of deregulating this whole like authorization, cert, certification kind of thing. You know, she wanted to yeah. like cap it. And, and rebuild, you know, and kind of start, mm-hmm. you know, kind of freshly. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that kind of, you know, pulled her this way. And I know Sharat was eager to, to go, you know, and rightly he should, yeah. you know, years and years and years of, of, yeah. of work. Um, and that, that, that came, came to a head, you know. Uh, right. And, and so both of them, yeah. very much so, both of them need to express this style in their in their own way and you know that gets i have a lot of people ask like oh oh you're you know you're you're not with sure why you know what's the difference between uh 
Saraswati yeah. and, and, you know, the authorization. I said, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> honestly have no idea. I know, I know what Saraswati wants and it, it expects. Um, and, uh, you know, it's the same postures, the same integrity, the same practice. Uh, I, I, I honestly think the only difference is that Saraswati shows me some old school, first generation, third series stuff. Like some of the other stuff's out of different, in a different order than it currently yeah. is. Right. And it, it takes me forever to like, so, you know, when you're in front of them, they tell you to do something, you do, you do it, you don't question, you just do it to the best of your ability. Yeah. Uh, so, so it takes me forever to figure out like where she, <laughs> you know, I kind of go, okay, are you talking about like, um, Karandavasana 1982 style or 1999 <laughs> style, you know, straight banana back style, mm-hmm. which, yeah. you know, right. which style do you want me to do? And so it, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of, it, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. How do you think that like studying with her has affected your teaching? First, I try to see the person as a person who is doing some yoga. Uh, I see what they're doing right, which 89%, 92% of what they're doing is absolutely right. And if I'm mm-hmm. in their way, I, if anything, I may decrease their ability to practice well, right? Uh, and I, <laughs> I, noticed, I noticed she looks at people and... Uh, she doesn't give up on them. She doesn't keep the barrier, you know, the, the gateway postures weren't, were never a thing. You know, it was only, it was only there to learn mm. for the logistics of the, of the huge classes. Like, oh, you can't bind right. you. Get out, get the next person in. Where Sarah Swati would be like, <laughs> oh, okay, let's bind you to the best of your ability. Let's move on. Right. Yeah. yeah. Manju is the same. Yeah. So she introduces postures a little bit faster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there's benefit to doing most of them well compared to meticulously yeah. sticking that in to, to one person. And I think that that messes with people too much. Yeah. It is a it is a fact. It's a uh, we're not here to be a perfection. Yeah. It's a it's a new rule yeah. about being it's a factor practice. As you said, it's a factor of it's a way of controlling the class and a way of controlling the group. And so that you have some with this, you know, huge mass of people, you have some way of controlling what's going on. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and I think your point is is right that it does it does reinforce. I mean, I think it reinforces patterns that we already have within us as as humans and and our society, you know, of perfectionism or oh, I have to do more or work harder to be good enough and and it kind of reinforces those beliefs and patterns that are already in our culture, which yoga is actually supposed to be like unwinding, not tightening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a dynamic there. It's almost like the the Confucian Taoist dynamic in Korea, where you start out, like you, the goal is to become Taoist and unmediated in your appreciation of the beauty of nature and, the, and how co- cosmic it is. But the, when you've got five hundred, you know, six-year-olds in your community, All right. you gotta, you kind of need to kind of control that situation, right. and you start with the discipline of children in a Confucian way mm-hmm. to then allow them to get to the point where you know they're ninety years old and they're really deeply ap- appreciating how beautiful nature is. Mm-hmm. But you, you don't start with that. Yeah, just letting them, letting fifteen thousand children just run free 
I don't know. It depends on your approach. It's <laughs> a long whoa that you're going to get into a Lord of the Flies situation <laughs> very quickly. Well, I, I think simply put, you know, you got to learn the rules before you can break the rules. In this case, learn the rules really, really well. Know what works. And know that the rules don't know you. So you don't, you don't need to always abide by that. You don't need to fall into that fundamental yeah. a- attitude. I think us as, as Westerners assumed wrongly that the harder we push, the more enlightened we're going to be. It's just, it just goes more <laughs> is more, right? Uh, more is more. And where I think they see it in a much longer term, you know, you, you, you use the rough part of the most undisciplined part of your life uh, to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in your, in your teens, in your 20s, maybe in your 30s, uh, when mm-hmm. that would benefit you the most. And then as the, I think as the awesomeness starts to trickle away, the, the discipline of the, 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 the physicality of it becomes uh, harder to, to reach. And that's going to be replaced with Yana, you know, with, with uh, absorbing mm-hmm. stuff through philosophy and experience. You know, yoga is experience uh, and maturing yeah. through those experiences. And we, we, aren't, we aren't yogis at 20 or 30. We're just asana practitioners. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yoga yeah. is experience and maturing through experience, which I think really brings home the point that that our life and, and being present for our lives is the yoga practice. And it's not, you know, binding your hands in Marichyasana D or being able to do a backbend. It's really about the quality of presence and attention we're bringing to each moment of our life, right? Because it is being in the experience of life itself that really is when we're in a state of yoga, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but yeah. it's, I love the challenge of getting into that posture. So when those people say, yes, the asana, well, for those five breaths, it is about the asana. But the other, but the yeah, other 50, that's your experience, you right? Do, yeah. Those other breaths aren't, aren't needed for, for that. Yeah. That those posture. are about other things, right? Uh-huh. Like washing the dishes or walking your dog or writing an email. I was going to say that <laughs> earlier, you were talking about most sports not having the, the same kind of precepts that you find in Ashtanga yoga or, or judo. And it's absolutely true. But once learned, you can go back to other sports and bring your yamas and niyamas to, to golf or to swimming and, and use, you know, satya and anasteya and, and and have profound experiences there. Oh, like the dharana, right? Like yeah. that quality of concentration. You can find absorption, you know, mm-hmm. within dog walking. Oh, uh, among other things. Right. Uh, so I was <laughs> uh judo, judoka, you know, judo player for eight yeah. years. Uh, and I can say I practiced the art of judo twice. I, I was able to mm. throw someone uh, with the technique uh, um, effortlessly, Twice out of eight years, <laughs> yeah. Throwing someone takes half of a second, so I could I could honestly say I probably did the true judo for about two seconds <laughs> out of eight eight years. The rest oh of times it was Maybe. grinding. You know, you grind, you get hurt, you get right. injured, you work out, you you know, you, you do all of these things. Yeah, uh, and I think that experience, uh, you know, you gotta you gotta build that up and recognize is it all worth it. Uh, and who knows? I, th- I think with yoga, it, it's is 
true too. Mm. Most of it's in the, you know, you're in the dirt and you're in the mud. Most of those times, you know, 99% of mm-hmm. that time. Doing a lot of chintuaris, a lot of push-ups. A lot of push-ups. A lot I love that. I'm, re- I'm, this has been so it's sweet been really and nice talking with you today. And, and I, I didn't, I didn't know you and, and getting to know you has been really, really nice. And I'm, I'm glad to, to make your acquaintance, Ross. Well, thank you. It's nice meeting you too, finally. And can you tell everyone who's listening where they can find you and connect with you and what's coming up? Yeah. You can, you can find me usually on Instagram. Uh, at Sean Diego Ross. Uh, recently, I post pictures of my tiny house and a little motorcycle. And so, <laughs> if you want to know, uh, you know, I think you have some asanas on there too. <laughs> motorheads, if you have any motorheads out there, I will let my dad know. Okay, I try to stick to to yoga. That's kind of like my thing. And I'm here in Charlottesville until January seventh, and then I go on like a little mini world tour, and I'll be in. Pakistan oh. and India and hopefully, let's see, Germany, Mexico, Brazil, Ghana, maybe wow. the, um, maybe uh, Saigon, um, and uh, maybe Spain. So it's all kind. Of, you know how oh, see the teaching works. You kind of string these. these yeah, you piece together. it together. So, <laughs> piece together. So that, yeah. that puts me. That puts me until June, and then hopefully in June things will settle down and I can re- reestablish myself. And I also am pushing a book. You guys, if, if there's any, yeah, you have two. You there, have two yeah, books, you, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been fortunate to work with some great people that uh, see the same uh, idea that that teaching yoga isn't intuitive and and something that happens off the cuff. It needs to be presented in, in a linear fashion. I put together a book called um, Shanga Spadiaya, you know, self-study book. Uh, and it's yeah. a, it's more of a journal than an actual book with um, primary, secondary thoughts in there. Uh, the typical chants you'll learn while your first year in India, uh, the, the count for <laughs> first and second series, the sutras and the, the traditional pranayama. Mm-hmm. So not only for Amazing. 1999 on Amazon, can you find a book to teach yourself that? <laughs> I can save you a whole trip to India. So think about right. it. Thousands of dollars. Four grand, four grand, you go to India. Yeah. You know, 1999. Yeah, a whole teacher training for 1999. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so good. Save a year of your life. I love yeah. it. Mm. No, get, get Wonderful. We'll put the links. Yeah. yeah, we'll put the links in the show notes. And you could even just buy the book and take it to India with you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Then you'd have like the Cole's notes to your experience. What are you actually <laughs> learning while you're there? You can make notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. And people can find your schedule on your website. Yeah. 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 I annoyingly post it almost daily uh, on there Good. with, uh, <laughs> yeah, with the dates. And uh, I'm always, you know, Perfect. I, I love being in a room full of like-minded people and yeah. I, everywhere I go, I'm just really just honored and flabbergasted. Really, I just stand by myself in these and look at these people. And man, I said, there's a room full of badasses. I get so <laughs> I excited. I was like, holy cow, these, these people work their asses off. And it's, it's, it's a group of dynamic that I love being around. It really is nice. Yeah. Amazing. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for thank hanging out with us today. Sure. Do you feel stuck in a cycle of working 24 seven without seeing real results? 
do you wish someone would just come in and tell you, do this first, do this second, and you're going to have amazing results? Did you know that seven out of 10 small businesses fail? That is not your future. It is 100% possible to have the freedom and the health and the time for yourself and your family and make the money that you want to make that's going to give you freedom, stability, flexibility, and experience all the goodness your heart is craving. You can study and learn from Marie Forleo in this three-day dream business boot camp. She is an entrepreneur that built a multi-million dollar empire from the ground up, starting with nothing, no investors, just herself. And she's here to give you the strategies and the roadmap to bring your passion, your dreams, your business to life. You don't need to be everywhere all the time. You don't need to be doing funny dances on social media. You need to just know how to really connect and create real connection with your clients, with your followers, with the people who need you the most. And this Dream Business Bootcamp is going to help you figure out how to do that. So if you have at all an interest, a dream in your heart that you would like to bring into the world, even if you're not sure what your business might be, even if it's just an inclination of, I have this idea and I'd like some support in manifesting it. I'd like to know some steps to help me start moving the dial forward to get there. Be sure you join this free offering. It's awesome. It's incredible. It's three days, the Dream Business Bootcamp with Marie Forleo, my personal business mentor. She's so much fun. These, It's such a fun three days with her, and I hope that you join. It's amazing. So jump in today, find the links in the show notes or on my Instagram profile, Harmony Slater Official, and I look forward to seeing you there. That's it. We've concluded another episode of the Finding Harmony podcast. I just want to thank you so much for doing the work that changes the world, starting with yourself. It truly does make a huge difference. Please make sure you have your automatic downloads turned on wherever you listen so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I have so much more magic I can't wait to share with you. Lastly, if you're on Instagram, I love connecting and hearing from you. So come on over and say hello at Finding Harmony Podcast. And you can also come say hello to me personally at Harmony Slater Official. Thank you again for being here. I cannot wait to share more with you in our next episode.